Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. As always, I'm your host here on Gadget Reason Radio. And uh, today was one of those days where there was just an absolute deluge of tech news, tech stories. Uh, There was so much stuff happening that it was really hard for me to figure out exactly which stories I thought were most relevant or most interesting to you guys. So uh, I did my best to sort through some of the biggest stories and things that I wanted to specifically maybe add a few comments on. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right in with today's tech download for Wednesday, December 13th, 2017. So kicking things off today with some news from Apple. Uh, In a surprise announcement yesterday, Apple announced that the iMac Pro that people have been anxiously awaiting new information about will be released on December 14th. And uh, much to many people's surprise, it was also revealed that many of the top tech YouTubers had actually gotten demo units of these iMac Pros uh, about a week ago. And they were finally allowed as of yesterday to post their videos talking about their first impressions. Now, people like MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, and Jonathan Morrison at TLD Today, great YouTube YouTubers, uh, great guys for any tech information. They posted their first thoughts and it was mostly positive. And I wanted to kind of offer my quick uh, thoughts on the iMac Pro. So for just as a frame of reference, I'm currently using a late 2014 5K iMac that I've maxed out with 16 gigabytes of RAM. It runs a uh, 3.5 gigahertz Core i5 processor and it has the AMD Radeon R9 M290X graphics card with two gigabytes of video memory. And this computer I use definitely much in much more of a heavy sort of power user uh, kind of capacity than most I think people use a personal computer. So I have my own graphic design business and then I also do obviously video production content as well as obviously the content here for Anchor. And so I use it uh, pretty heavily and I've really never ran into a scenario to this point where I've been wishing it could do more. Even doing things like 3D sculpting in ZBrush um, and 4K video editing is, is fine. Um, I have noticed in the past when I did raw 4K, you definitely get some frame drops and some struggles with that. But most of the 4K video editing I do is uh, all done in ProRes. And in Final Cut 10, it handles that just fine. I really don't notice any dropped frames during previewing of clips or anything like that. And everything's just moving along pretty, pretty quickly. So. I haven't really found myself yet in that situation where I'm really struggling to perform tasks where I want an upgrade, but at the same time, uh, I know that my computer is getting a little bit older and the more that I try to do with it at some point, it's gonna it's gonna need an upgrade. So I have been waiting for more information about the 5K, or I'm sorry, the uh, iMac Pro, the 5K iMac replacement. And you know, here's the deal. At $5,000, it's definitely not cheap, but I also think that it's a pretty damn good value at five grand because when you look at the specs for the 5K or for the iMac Pro, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to call it the 5K iMac, the, the iMac Pro, um, you know, the fact that it comes with a 27 inch 5K display and by all accounts, one of the most gorgeous displays you'll ever see, that alone would be incredibly expensive to buy on its own. And then you throw in the fact that the base model comes with an eight core processor, which is configurable all the way up to an 18 core. So there's an eight core, 10 core, and 18 core CPU option available. But the base model comes in at eight cores with 32 gigabytes of RAM, a one terabyte super fast SSD, and a Vega GPU from Radeon Pro. Uh, so it's a Radeon Pro Vega 56 graphics processor with eight gigabytes of the new HBM2 memory uh, and all the other bells and whistles you'd expect from an iMac. So the usual ports and the SD card reader, 
Um, it does have a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, but with all of that being built, built into this gorgeous all-in-one machine, I do not think that $4,999 is overpriced. It's expensive for sure, but uh, it's definitely worth the value in what you're getting. And obviously the lack of up user upgradability is gonna be an issue for some, but I think that the fact that they've maxed this thing out with some of the greatest specs available, um, I don't think you'll be desperate for an upgrade anytime soon. And so for that reason, I definitely don't see it as being overpriced. Now, in terms of the you know, other options, I'm still waiting to see what the next Mac Pro replacement for the trash can Mac Pro is gonna look like and how that price is gonna compare to the entry-level iMac Pro. And that'll probably be the determining factor on what my next sort of desktop workstation replacement is. So uh, I'd love to hear some thoughts from you guys on what you think about the iMac Pro announcement specs price point. Um, is it something you're interested in or do you think that it's a good value? Leave me some comments or comments and let me know. So in some news that should come to absolutely no surprise to anybody that's been paying attention to all of the Nintendo Switch mania this year, uh, Nintendo did announce that it has sold 10 million Nintendo Switch units year to date, uh, or I should say since its release, which was back in April. So it achieved these sales numbers in less than a year, which is pretty remarkable when you consider that's quite a turnaround from the number of Wii U's that were sold year to date, uh, which is about 13 million, and it's obviously been out for a heck of a lot longer. So um, um, there's no surprise there the Nintendo Wii U was a pretty big failure and really never had any good strong support both from Nintendo and from third-party devs uh, throughout its life cycle. So uh, the Nintendo Switch was definitely off to a much better start right out of the gate both from Nintendo and in terms of support from third-party developers and indie developers. So uh, the Nintendo Switch looks to be uh, something that Nintendo could ride the wave on for probably the next few years and I'm extremely excited to wonder what the Nintendo Switch which two might be capable of. When you consider all of the progress that's been made from companies like NVIDIA with laptop power and you think about the Max-Q design and a lot of the things that have come around this year to try and make more and more powerful components fit into tinier and tinier spaces, it gives me a lot of hope as to what Nintendo might be able to do working with NVIDIA on the Switch 2. We might really be able to get something that creeps up on possibly even Xbox One level power in a device that's about the size of the Nintendo Switch. Um, that's not too far of a leap to make. So uh, yeah, definitely think that Nintendo is onto something with this hybrid console sort of category. And I'm really curious to see if any of the other manufacturers like Sony or uh, Microsoft try to follow in these same footsteps. Obviously, Microsoft has kind of laid groundwork there when you consider the fact that the 15-inch uh, Surface Book 2 actually has little uh, tiny Xbox pedigree hidden inside of it and the fact that it has a built-in Xbox wireless controller receiver and the fact that it has powerful enough graphics hardware in the base to be able to do full-blown PC gaming. So um, that in itself kind of could be an indicator that maybe Microsoft is uh, considering doing something along the lines of a hybrid console or a more portable all-in-one device in the future. So uh, let me know what you guys think of your Nintendo Switch if you have it. I love mine. It's been my most played video game console throughout the entire course of this year. And uh, I hope to see more uh, support for it in the near future.
Tesla really seems to be on a roll, raking in a ton of money for pre-orders for its new all-electric powered semi-truck. Back when the announcement first happened, they reported that Walmart had actually already plopped down some pre-orders for a few of them for their fleet. And then that was followed up recently by the announcement that Cisco had actually put down pre-orders for 50 units. Well, then after that, it was Budweiser who had announced that they were going to be placing a pre-order for 40 Tesla semis. And now it seems like Pepsi does not want to be outdone in the beverage department because they're announcing now that they have plopped down $20,000 deposits for each of the 100 trucks that it's planning to add to its fleet. So uh, this is sounding more and more like the fact that Tesla was really onto something in terms of thinking that there's a lot of different industry industries out there and companies that use semi trucks for transport that really see the benefit and value in gas savings and lower maintenance costs associated with electric vehicles to be adding all these to their fleets. And the fact that these companies are putting down $20,000 deposits on each one of them means that Tesla now has a lot more working capital to uh, to do all these things that they need to do to get these things off the production and assembly line. So uh, I'm pretty impressed. I didn't expect to see so many companies quick to adopt this, but clearly there must be a lot of value in the savings uh, going all electric versus a fossil fuel based vehicle. So this is all good news for Tesla or for fans of Tesla in general. A new drone law got passed recently that now will once again require small drone operators in the U.S. to register their drones. Now, I won't get into the nitty gritty of it, but if you remember back in December of 2015, the FAA had announced that drone owners operating any drone over 0.55 pounds needed to actually go to the FAA site and register the drone serial number so that if anything like property damage or bodily harm was caused by the drone, if it crashed, that the drone operator could be held liable. And this makes perfect sense to me. I've been flying model aircraft since I was very, very young. And my dad and I actually had insurance through the AMA or the American Model Association so that anything like this, uh, you know, crashing a, a plane in somebody's yard or breaking any, anybody's property um, would give you some kind of coverage and support. Um, well, sometime after that law had passed, uh, one of these model aircraft enthusiasts actually took the FAA to court and argued that Congress had already decided that um, toy aircraft were did not need any kind of registration. And so the initial law or the initial uh, registration process was suspended, and this gave me some pretty big concerns. When companies like DJI, which is one of the largest drone manufacturers in the world and pretty much the leader in drone technology, is supporting something like registering drones, that should give you a pretty good indication that it's a helpful thing for the industry as a whole. Obviously, the more accountability that we can have for flying these model aircraft, then the more freedom you're going to have. They're going to remove some of these restrictions and these blanket bans on where you can and can't use these devices. Now, I think that I would like to see it actually go a step further where you actually have to attend a class of some sort and get a drone operator's license to fly any of these drones. Because again, I think it would lead to more freedom and flexibility if the people that are involved or even citizens knew that when they saw a drone flying around that it most likely had to be getting piloted by someone who had gone through some type of schooling or safety courses and gotten some type of license or registration program. So uh, I, for one, am happy about this. I, I really think that if you're someone who's interested in buying a drone or you already fly drones and you think that this is a bad thing, I'd love to know why you think there's a negative or a downside to having us all be held accountable for what happens with these unmanned 
small piloted vehicles. So if uh, if you're in disagreement, leave me a comment or call and let me know. Um, or if you think this is a good thing, leave me some info on that as well. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. If you are listening to this via the podcast and not directly through the Anchor broadcast, then just uh, drop me some uh, information or comments on social media. You can find me at Gadget Reason. So a couple of days ago, many people were extremely excited that the incredibly popular arena shooter game PUBG was now available on the Xbox platform. And I hate to bring you the bad news, but this is somewhat of a public service announcement. I would highly recommend that you do not spend any money buying PUBG for the Xbox One or even if you have an Xbox One X. The guys over at Digital Foundry who do incredible uh, work with analysis for game performance on pretty much every platform dug into PUBG on the Xbox One X. And, you know, the thing is, is that the 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 game itself has never ran well even on a decently specced PC and it's just not very well optimized and it's a very demanding game not because of graphics because it's actually pretty ugly compared to a modern uh, modern PC game but uh, the fact that it has a hundred people playing at once and in a huge world that needs lots of draw distance all of that stuff takes up a lot of processing power but if you want a frame of reference uh, they played a 22 minute game and on the standard Xbox they average frame rate was 25.6 frames per second which anybody uh, who plays fast switch games or shooter games knows that that's pretty terrible and it only got up to 27.6 frame average on the more powerful xbox one x so um you know i think the the reality here is that i don't know that anybody really expected this to get better on the xbox platform especially when it can't seem to perform well on my pretty well-specced pc so if you're really really interested in playing pubg Find a decent spec PC to play it on. Uh, that's going to give you the best overall idea of why this game is so popular and so much fun to play. Playing it on the Xbox platform, at least in its current form, is not going to give you a good impression of what this gameplay is really all about. In some news from Land Rover that may or may not surprise some of you, uh, Land Rover announced that it wants to move to a 100% electrified vehicle platform within the next two years. Now, it's important to keep in mind that what they're really talking about is a hybrid vehicle. They're talking about an electrically assisted traditional fossil fuel engine. So having a small electric motor to offset certain aspects of the vehicle, um, like when you start from a stop and things like that, like other hybrids that you've seen on the road. So this really shouldn't be too much of a surprise. I mean, the entire automotive industry is moving more and more towards a futuristic, more tech-based setup. Uh, everybody's having these vehicles now with more and more computer technology. And obviously we see more and more full electric vehicles being announced all the time. So, you know, a company like Land Rover that's been around for a long time, it's important for them to continue to adapt and stay relevant. And clearly their customers have been asking for options in terms of electric or electrified hybrid vehicles and Land Rover is paying attention. So I think this is a good thing. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there that still love their fossil fuel based motors and all the benefits that come with that. But uh, there's no question uh, that we definitely need to start paying more attention to the environment and at least going to a hybrid system is making a small step towards doing just that. Looks like T-Mobile is looking to be the next company joining the ranks of both Verizon and AT&T 
in somehow bundling television services along with its wireless phone products. So basically T-Mobile acquired Layer 3 TV, a TV tech company that provides OTA television, and they're looking to do something similar to what AT&T and Verizon have both done in creating a bundled package where you get some type of internet-based television service along with your wireless plan for one combined bill. So, you know, I've been a big fan of OTA or internet-based television ever since I switched to PlayStation View earlier this year, and I really haven't looked back ever since. I don't I don't see myself ever having traditional cable ever again, and uh, I'm always open to seeing what another competitor in this market can bring. Uh, I'm definitely not sure what T-Mobile has in mind or, or what they're going to do that's going to make it more competitive than some of the things like Sling TV or the other services from both AT&T and Verizon that are available now, but clearly this is something that's on the mind of all the wireless carriers because, you know, once the saturation levels have reached all-time highs when it comes to people buying smartphones or wireless products and services, they have to find another way to generate revenue. So it does make sense. Uh, We've shifted from basically initially the actual phone calling plans were how the wireless carriers generated all their revenue. Once that was kind of saturated, they moved on to things like SMS. So when SMS text messaging blew up, you they made all their money off of charging extra for SMS packages. And once that became so mainstream that it was now bundled in for unlimited along with your calling, they moved on to data. And for the past few years, they've been sort of maximizing their revenues by making us pay for data charges. And that's now reaching all-time peak levels where most carriers are offering some type of unlimited data plan now. So they're looking for the next way to generate revenue. So uh, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes open and I'll give you guys more info on the TV service that T-Mobile puts together when it launches sometime next year. Apple has partnered with the buyback company Fobio to help people uh, buy some new Mac computers over the holiday season. You can now get up to $2,500 for your MacBook Pro. The increase is up from the max that you used to be able to receive, which was $1,000. And they're doing this by partnering with the buyback company Fobio in an effort to get people to trade in their old machines and purchase or upgrade to newer machines. Basically, they're looking for anything from 2009 or later, which includes the MacBook up to $1,110, the MacBook Air up to $430, MacBook Pros up to $2,500, and an old iMac up to $2,500, or a Mac Pro up to $1,500. So these trade-in values seem pretty good, but I did go to the Fobio site and put in the serial number for my wife's very old 2012 11-inch MacBook Air, and the offer that they gave me was $125. So I did go ahead and head over to eBay to see what that similar product was getting on eBay, and you can probably get about... 70 to 80% more. I think they were going for about anywhere from 250 to $400 for that same machine on eBay. So it's still more beneficial to you to just sell it yourself. But obviously the benefit of doing it this way is you don't have to deal with the hassle of selling that way um, and going through the the effort of packaging it up and shipping it. So, um, you know, it's up to you, but it's definitely nice to see that they're offering a little bit more of the max buyback or max trade-in value than what was offered previously.
And that's going to do it for another tech download here on Gadget Reason Radio. Thank you for listening. There was plenty of other tech stories I probably could have thrown in here. There was so much to go through today that I really had to kind of pick and choose the ones that I thought were most relevant or most interesting. Uh, I'll try to get to any of the ones I missed later this week if I think they're still worth talking about. Thank you once again to everybody that continues to tune in and listen to the show here on the Anchor app, as well as everybody that continues to subscribe to the podcast as well. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you guys have any questions, comments, or anything you'd like to add to today's broadcast, you can either either leave me a call in or comment here on the Anchor app, or you can just hunt me down on social media. You can find me at Gadget Reason and leave me some comments or anything you want to talk about there as well. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you guys later. Later.